I was uh I was listening to you on the the your little other podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast again? Sorry? Some Dead Night Nerds? Uh yeah, Dead Light Nerds. Dead Light Nerds. Yes. Yeah. I'm a good friend, so I went and listened to it. You Aww, were great. What you. a good host <laughs> or, or guest, I guess. <laughs> I don't like being a guest. It's kind of weird. I noticed that um, we talk over each other a lot, um, just like as we talk, but they would never interrupt you. And so for the first 30 minutes, I was dying because they wouldn't interrupt you. So then you just keep talking. <laughs> and then it was like so funny. <laughs> okay oh my god that's so funny that you mentioned that because the whole time I'm thinking the exact same thing I'm like do I keep talking and because they would yeah, always like wait they would wait like a couple seconds before they started talking and I was like mm-hmm. did I answer okay like did I <laughs> yeah yeah and and it was oh. funny because I was thinking as I was listening to it I'm like am I a bad co-host like I'm always interrupting her <laughs> like Please. cutting you off Please interrupt me. <laughs> Anyways, it was funny. 자막 서브타이틀의 장벽을 장벽도 아니죠. 한 1인치 정도 되는 그 장벽을 뛰어넘으면 여러분들이 훨씬 더 많은 영화를 즐길 수 있습니다. Once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. <laughs> ah, so, what are we watching this week? So, this week we're watching My Octopus Teacher. Mm. Um, I It's our first documentary. And I was really excited about it because I heard the buzz. The buzz around town about this one. And I was going to watch it just on my own. And then uh, last week you were like, hey, pick your movie for next week. And I went on to, I was like, you know what? Let's just make it easy. We'll go on Netflix. We'll choose a foreign film on Netflix. And I, so I went to the international section and my octopus teacher was there. And I was like, no way. Like, I wanted to watch this, yeah, like, without the podcast. And then I didn't even realize that it was, like, an international film. But it's a it's a South African film. Yes. Because um, the, the main guy, basically the whole crew is all South African um, filmmakers and crazy. stuff. So. so, yeah. It was directed by Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed. They co-directed together. And then it stars Craig Foster, who is the main diver in the film, and then our cute little octopus. They're oh, the superstars. The cutest little little gal ever. Yeah, right? <laughs> a little sweetheart. Yeah. Stole my heart. <laughs> which, I don't so, think she has, like, a name. I don't think they gave her a name, though. No, they okay. never did. Which I thought was interesting, because, I mean, I guess the whole point is that she's a wild animal and not a pet. And yeah. you give names to pets. But, sure. but yeah, they just call her her or the octopus. <laughs> yeah. So this one was kind of cool because it was uh, filmed. Basically, majority of the film was like shot in the one year that the octopus was alive. But it took actually 10 years to make the film. Wow. Um, so it was made more retrospectively. Yeah. Um, and so the, the most That's... of the crew was put together. Like, a bunch of years later, Craig Foster was like, hey, I have the story. I want to make it into a film. So then they hired the crew and, like, figured out the story and used his footage. Oh, okay. Had. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what I was tr- trying to think during it. Because I was like, there's so many shots of him doing stuff. And I'm like, but yeah. he's 
like he was the only filmmaker as she was like down there so it's like how like yep. where are the timelines here <laughs> there's definitely something yep. going on um but yeah that totally. makes totally sense mm-hmm. so i'll give you a quick plot a little quick plot a little quick plotty plot uh craig foster suffering from a loss of purpose begins a daily diving regimen in the freezing kelp forests at the tip of Africa in order to re-energize himself. What he discovers below the water surface is a totally alien motivation in the form of an unusually curious octopus. This beautiful record of an animal's entire life, something seldom achieved in the wild, let alone underwater, was shot over a full year and explores the habits and personalities of a strange creature that most of us had only ever eaten. Beyond intelligent, the cephalopod shares her secret world with Foster, and they develop a touching bond. The underwater encounters are literally breathtaking as Foster holds his breath while interacting with the octopus. An immersive portrait of a human-animal understanding, brimming with danger, drama, and devastating emotion. My octopus teacher grabs you with all eight arms and changes (laughs) its camouflage, showing you colors and textures you've never seen before. That's good. That's a good little plot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That little recap uh, was was a writer from Hot Docs. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> and I just, I read that. I was like, oh, that's so cute. I'm yeah. Just... So shout out to Hot Docs. That's so cute. Yeah. So yeah. What it were was, your thoughts? It was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was like, you could just see this like man, like just falling in love with this creature. And like, mm-hmm. you could just tell in his voice, like how much he cared for her. And it was just, like, so sweet. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you knew something, like, she wasn't going to last forever. Like, you knew this was, like, a short thing. Because he says near the beginning they only last a year. um, Yeah. And then they die. But, like, it was was so beautifully done. It really was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The shots alone are just, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so the thing that's kind of cool about this film is that the main character is a documentary creator. Um, so he has a bunch of like IMDb credits for um, like a lot of mostly South African documentaries like uh, Cosmic Africa, The Animal Communicator, um, and he typically uses African voices to tell African stories. Hmm. Um, so specifically regarding nature documentary. Sure. Um, and and I mean, they kind of go into this in the um, in the the doc but he's done a lot of work um like spent time in the lair of a giant male crocodile um like when he he was scuba diving for for one show and he hunted with another group in central kalahari um and like just he's just done a lot of things uh, specifically with cinematography and directing and um that's wow. like his main two directing and cinematography. Wow, yeah. Um so they kind of went into this in the the film a bit, but basically the reason why he started diving was because he kind of went into like a you know, a depression, a low of like being stressed out by the the film career, the film life. Yeah. Um and so this movie, I think, from a filmmaker's perspective, is really interesting because he ended up creating a movie yeah. while he was trying to escape creating movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, 
And it's just kind of cool, like, for me to think that, okay, and this is my words, not anything I've read, but it, it just kind of seems like he really does love creating nature documentaries. That sometimes the the bullshit of film land, like, right. strays you away from what you actually love to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, the fact that he, on his off time, he ended up making a movie... Yeah. When he was supposed to not be doing that. It just shows that, you know, yeah. he does really love it. It's just, uh, sometimes it gets a bit much, you know? Yeah, it totally just goes down to then what he's passionate about. Because he could have easily had this interaction with this octopus and not filmed it. Like, yeah. it could just, it, it could be a discovery that's something you write about or something. But no, he, like, decided mm-hmm. to spend all this time to film it and all that. And yeah. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. I know personally, like I just want to have my camera like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just because I and I take so many videos of stuff I'll never use, like never. Yeah. But I just like totally. I want it because it's almost just fun taking it, even though I know mm-hmm. I'm never gonna even go look at it. I just want to take yeah. it. <laughs> like this yep. is fun. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to take photos. Well, and, and it's liberating. It's liberating when, like, I know me and you have said this. When you're with somebody else, too, who, like, also likes to take photos or say you're by yourself, like, where you can just take the time and just, like, make a day out of taking pictures for no reason except they'll just sit on your hard drive and do nothing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but, but, you know, as creators, it's something that, like, I really enjoy. And then if you're with somebody who doesn't want to do that, they're like, okay, you took 10 minutes to set up this shot. It's like, okay, like, that's the point. Like, Right. <laughs> that's the fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but so for him, you know, the fact that he was doing this alone, he was just on his own by himself having this little experience with some little, this little creature. Yeah. And then he, he wanted to film it. Um pretty incredible it's kind of a cool yeah it's a cool thing and it, it was just incredible their like relationship that they ended up having um because mm-hmm. i don't know i am <laughs> Brittany knows this but i'm terrified of the ocean <laughs> and <laughs> so <laughs> this whole time i was like i i could that seems like such an amazing experience that i would want to have but i'd never be able to get mm-hmm. into the water like i would yep. be so scared Especially when he yep. went out at night. Oh my god, I was so nervous. That <laughs> I was like, was that's scary. my worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just like, yeah. and how he, how he just has like full trust in the ocean itself because like he would leave his camera down there just for the octopus to explore, and he's just fine with that. He's just, I'm just gonna leave that. I'll come back. I'll get it. Like whatever. And that's just like quite a me- like how much he trusts. I don't know, the filmmaking experience and then, like, the ocean that he's in. It was really cool. I really liked yeah. how he approached it. Um, well, and yeah. and to go off of that, what made it more intense, so I did a little research on the where of the film and, okay. like, you know, what is this place that he was filming in. Yeah. And um, basically, it's a kelp forest off the west coast of South Africa, and it's known as the Cape of Storms, which... Um, he describes as the most treacherous coast in the world. (laughs) While some swimmers fear sharks and other predators, Foster says the greatest threat to his life was being thrown on a rock by a big wave. So it's like, (laughs) 
like that's so funny right and and it's funny us being like you know the the closest body of water is like the great lakes for us not like an actual ocean (laughs) or anything but it's like we're like oh my god sharks and he's like yo this wave (laughs) yeah (laughs) like that's the least thing that's on my mind it's what's underneath that scares me yeah yeah so so basically what he was saying was that it's like a three-dimensional forest in the sense that he can go up down left right and it's like he's flying because there's no limitations of gravity right um, which is so like whimsical and magical. That's one of those things. Like if you if you dare to go on these adventures, then you get to experience yeah. some pretty cool cool things. So I yeah. mean, like he dared to do it, and he got like a, re- a yeah, reward for reward. it. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think the other cool thing is like the fact that he went every day. Yeah. You know, you. I go for a walk every day, but yeah. I don't like. It's not the same as like experiencing the environment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really going with the purpose of not getting exercise, not walking my dog. Mm-hmm. The purpose that he went every day to this space was to be with the space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nah. I don't know. It was kind of cool. Um, Literally today, I was going for a walk. I had to take my dog out. And um, there's kind of a river behind my house. And we go walking down there, like, a lot. That's that's usually where I go walking. Yeah. I got the dog ready to go, and we're power walking, and my dog's a little bit of a doddler. She <laughs> kind of is a little slowpoke, but not because she's slow, but because she likes to sniff and do things, and it's like, right. come on, we gotta go, we're walking. Yeah. So I put my headphones in, and I was gonna listen to my audiobook and power walk down the path and stuff. And then I got, like, to the path. And I realized, I was like, hold on, like, let me, let me take in what my octopus teacher did okay. with this, this path that I walk every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt kind of weird at first to take out my headphones and to like put them down and be like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna experience this, yeah. this place. Um, and so what I did was I was like, okay, like, let's let my dog show me the way. Because I'm really trapped in my little human world. And so, and I was a little uncomfortable. I don't know why, but it was like, okay, we're going to go and we're going to just be here. Yeah. So she, she like would sniff curiously at different things. So then I'd like go and like touch different leaves and just try to see like, and then I noticed there were like these types of flowers that the bees could still get pollen from, even though it's fall. And so there were, like, so many bees on this flower. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then, you know, we kept walking down the path. And then um, my dog found this, like, little hidden crevice thing. So I was like, okay, like, I guess we're going this way. And so then I just went through the path. And it was kind of, like, a little grown over. And then I got to the side of the river. And there was salmon in the water. Because the salmon run by my house at this time of year. Oh, wow. And yeah. they were so close to me, like maybe three meters away, like off the shoreline. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're they're working so hard to get up the river because it was like a very rapid, like it's rapid flowing. It's a big river. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're you can see their tails like swishing in the water. <laughs> and so then I stood there and I watched them for, you know, a few minutes and then we continued along and I was like, 
part of me felt like super lame because I was like, okay, like what? Like I'm smelling flowers. Like <laughs> who does that? <laughs> right. But then I was also like, why not? You know, yeah. like the the this film was, I don't know, really inspiring to me in the sense that it was like, okay, you are one with nature. Like yeah. humans are so we we so like to believe that we are like completely separated. And I think that the way we live our lives, we are separated. Yep. You yeah, know, like, I, I feel like there is a separation. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of neat. Yeah, that's nice. That's a good idea. And that's one, what, that's one thing that I really liked about um, being in quarantine, like, this past summer. Especially mm-hmm. n- near the beginning of the summer, but, because um, I would spend a lot of time just sitting on the back porch. Yeah. And I would just, like, watch just, like, what's going on in my own backyard. Mm-hmm. And there's so much. Like, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, these these squirrels, like, they have these little lives and, like, there's so many rabbits. And then there was, like, a, I don't know what exactly what it was, but it looks like a hawk or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a big bird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, every time I would just, like, go and sit up there, like, I'd have my laptop and I'd go to write or something, but yeah. I'd spend half the time just looking Watching. out. Watching. Yeah. And it was, like, it was really, like, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, like, wow. Well, <laughs> it's funny because one of the – it's funny that you say that because one of my notes that I had in in my thing when I was watching, I was – I said – I wonder if COVID has made people face their vulnerability when it comes to being a part of the natural world. Oh, interesting. You know, because like yeah. humans like to think that we're so above, we're the apex predators, nothing can kill us. And then there's this virus that's now like taken over everything and it makes it makes you really kind of face your morality in the sense of the the like food tree. Right. You know what I mean? Like our place in the natural yeah. world, we are part of the natural world. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if... That's interesting. I I just wondered, it was just a thought that crossed my mind, was like, was this film released at the perfect time? Because it's people, it's people, like, this film is a story about stopping this mindset of we are separate and just embracing nature wherever you can find nature. Yep. Definitely. Um, And I think it, I think it goes really hand in hand with covid forcing people to face their morality or mortality sorry yeah for sure yeah I could totally agree with that um I think I kind of in now that we're kind of getting back into um more like routines and stuff I think that this will be kind of a nice thing to see is how how to like to not forget what we kind of got out of all of this Mm um and lots of animals during this time like I found at least in like my area like tons of animals have like kind of come out of nowhere like they're getting curious because we're all inside yeah like we had this like big cat um there was like a spotting I don't know exactly what kind of cat like some sort of like mountain lion or something Mm -hmm. that was like in Kitchener Ontario and we're like what's this doing here oh my gosh (laughs) we don't like only a few people saw it so we don't know for sure if that's it but if it is like it's like all these animals are kind of like coming out now they're Mm -hmm. like what's going on over here yeah they're almost like confused as why we're all hidden but well um, and even when like covid first hit and then there was like dolphins in the canals in italy right you know and that was pretty cool that when that story broke yeah but Um, it's like okay if we make space like if we make space for nature you know, we can yeah. integrate it more in our in our lives. And I think that's like a huge takeaway. He had a really 
a really cute quote where he was basically like, even if you experience with a potted plant, it was something like that. He's like, you can find nature anywhere and you can have this experience with any living creature, even the potted plant in your living room. Yeah. And it's, it's nice also, like as someone from the city, like at least I have that ravine in my backyard, you know, in like, you know, behind my house. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember when we were living in Toronto, it's like, okay, where do you want us to find nature? Like, there's no trees. Yeah. <laughs> there's no flowers. Like, there's no bees. You can't, you know. But I liked how he, when he said that quote, it was nice. Because it was kind of encouraging anyone who has any living thing around them can participate with this film. Yeah, for sure. So the one thing that I wanted to talk about was like how this, the structure of this film um, was kind of more than a classic like nature documentary. Mm-hmm. Because typically nature docs are very like fact. You don't have like a a human element to a nature documentary unless it's like, oh, humans are destroying everything, which is true. <laughs> but like you don't have, you know you don't call to attention the filmmaker it's kind of like a yeah a taboo thing right like if you look at any like planet earth stuff or whatever it's mainly about nature yeah 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 and it's it's interesting too because it's like you've gone you've grown accustomed to this whole thinking that these nature docs are like a day-to-day life of an animal and like the crew isn't there the crew is like secretly hidden yeah um i don't know i felt like this was such a breath of fresh air because he was so honest and it was it was part of the story his interaction with it yeah definitely and i feel like a lot of like people who make nature documentaries i feel like they'll all almost appreciate this because I've heard like you see like little videos online of how they like gain animals trust like mm-hmm. in like on like a safari or something to take photos of them yeah like, they camp out for like months just to get comfortable with like a tiger or something mm-hmm. and like that's just incredible and I can imagine so many of these photographers or videographers like actually really fall in love with these animals and then yeah it's they're just they never see them again like later on yeah and like that's so crazy about how like, you can, and I loved how he said that, how he was, like, really emotional over it, how he said, like, he's really gonna miss her, but he just, he still didn't let his feelings um, take over his decision-making with her, and just kind of, like, let her do her thing, and just yeah. let her be part of nature. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, because yeah. that was, like, you know, do you interfere with a documentary subject? Right. You know, and any documentary maker will tell you no you don't get involved because the camera is not supposed to be there the camera is supposed to be a fly on the wall whatever um but it's it's it was different with this one because he was so emotionally invested and part of the story was his emotional attachment so then to see him like he's like i don't know what to do like the sharks are attacking her but that's not what i'm supposed to be doing yeah um and then, you know, even when, um, I thought it was really cute, I don't know if you remember, but when the octopus, uh, sorry, when the shark bit her arm off, um, mm-hmm. and then he was like, she got back to her nest, but she wasn't eating, so I, 
he like brought her food yeah and he's like i couldn't help it like i couldn't you know yeah and it was so sweet moment yeah yeah but it is it is funny how like you know that's a huge thing with documentary like do you interfere um you know like at at what point do you interfere it's kind of a hard question because i don't think anybody can really answer because i think a lot of the time if you do interfere it's just your emotions taking over your actual like decision making Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's necessarily the right thing to do because i don't know but i don't know because i think in this case i think he did exactly what he was supposed to do but you could tell that him not interfering in Mm -hmm. a bigger sense like scaring the sharks away or whatever Mm -hmm. um like really got to him like he was sad (laughs) like and how could you not be like she was suffering yeah but well i I wrote so for uh one of the classes at at school um, I wrote a paper on this exact subject of like, oh okay, you know, do you step in uh, when you're a documentary maker? So basically, the 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 film that I wrote the paper on was a NFB film um, called "The Things I Cannot Change," um, and critics basically slammed the the film because she recorded. Um, this store man beat the crap like you're just like through the first punch um mm-hmm. of her subject and mm-hmm. then her subject got thrown into jail for like assaulting the store owner and you know all of this terrible stuff was happening to the subject um and afterwards people were like you should have showed your footage you should have showed that the store owner threw the first punch the store owner was the aggressor and that would have mm-hmm. got him out of jail And she was like, well, how am I supposed to prove? Because it was about poverty. She's like, how am I supposed to prove that poor people or low class people get treated Mm -hmm. differently under the law? Right. When, yeah. So I said, like, and I I wrote this quote because I was like, wow, this film really just proved me wrong. But what I wrote was, you cannot praise the film's extraordinary honesty and then demand she forfeits the camera's neutrality. You cannot have mm-hmm. one without the other. Yep. So in the paper, I was saying, if you want a film to be honest, the camera has to be neutral. But I thought that this film completely did the opposite. He was honest with his bias, is what I mean. <laughs> yep, I know what you mean. I just thought it was really powerful. I was yeah. like, wow. And there was something about, I think it was because he was the filmmaker, the filmmaker was the subject, it it yeah. just unlocked this room to grow the the film and to grow what we imagine documentary to be because yeah. the filmmaker was the subject right yeah that's a, that's a really good point i think he it almost like he almost like unlocked a separate door that you could take and mm-hmm. <laughs> in, into yeah filmmaking then i think it was kind of like almost essential for this documentary. Yeah. But I think he, he yeah, I think he did a good um a good split between doing that but then also letting nature be nature yeah. and uh not getting involved to the point where it would literally change her life course. Right. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's where I, you know, when I go back to okay, the film was honest because he was expressing like his feelings, but also he was trying to be neutral you know, to the best of his ability. Um, but yeah, 
it was it's kind of a cool completely different way of thinking about documentary and as filmmakers how do you can you put yourself into a story and i guess it kind of poses the question is can you be too close to a story mm. like um i wonder how this kind of went for him this experience like was he was he too emotionally attached to this or was he able to remove himself yeah and i don't know yeah so i think he was at first so i think that's why it took so many years to get made because he shot all this footage and then basically i was i was watching a interview from the director and uh pippa was her name and she was saying how basically what happened was she first heard about this octopus story years after the octopus had passed away and um and craig only told her like a fraction of the story he was like oh yeah i met this octopus once interesting and she described it as he was like holding it near and dear to his heart and he didn't want to share it with her because he didn't trust her yet the the director okay like yeah. Craig Craig didn't trust Pippa yet. Um and so it was only a few years later after Pippa had been diving with him and really enjoying the kelp forest and showing how much she appreciated the space um that he approached her and said, "I want you to be the director for this story. I I I want to tell this story." So yeah. I think I think he was a little and I mean you can see it when you see his his uh interview you know yeah and how emotional and how close he is to it um and how much it impacted him and, and changed his life so yeah cute little story. i just i just wrote that it was a biography of the octopus mm. and it's funny how yeah. like considering how much this seemed to impact craig mm-hmm. he wasn't really in the story that much like it wasn't really about craig it was mostly about the octopus yeah for sure you know, and at the end, they kind of tied it back into the, his son. He's like, oh, this has changed the way I look at the world and the way I interact with the world. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a little bit of tying it back to Craig at the end. But it was mostly like majority of the screen time is about the octopus and about her life and her yeah intelligence and him kind of learning about her. Yeah. What I really liked near the beginning, he said how similar they are to us. And mm-hmm. I loved, I loved seeing those similarities. Like then, as soon as he said that, then you start looking out for it. Like how, yeah. how she would like kind of walk, how she would like, I don't know. There's so many things where it's like, wow, like that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And um, also at the end, how it kind of, yeah, tied back to his son and how mm-hmm. he found like a little octopus, which was the cutest thing ever. Oh my Lord. Right? Oh. Right? <laughs> the size of like a pinky finger, if even. So, so little. Cute. Um, yeah. And that was, that was a nice little, those are things that you, like you want to happen. You want to be able to have those like beautiful scenes and like you can make those happen in narratives, but you're not guaranteed those in docs. But um, I'm glad that they were able to like, kind of have something like that as an ending because it worked so well like yeah it really tied it all together yeah and then it really launches so this was in partnership with his uh organization okay. um which is the sea change project right okay. and they basically are uh an activist group that is trying to save the kelp forest the um uh the south african kelp forest and 
so you know one thing one question that they had which was like really it was really good um they had on their website but they were like if an octopus can give its life for its children what can we as humans do to ensure a livable planet for all the generations that will come after us yeah (laughs) you know like (laughs) oh yeah and I think there there's so much to be said for like sacrifice and and things that need to be yeah given up, you know, you have to give things up for the the younger generation for the future. Um yeah, and and I liked that the film never got like never got preachy, but you felt you felt what they were saying. Yeah, for sure. You you yeah. got the message without them having to scream it at you. Um For sure. In a sense, it kind of goes back to our talk of, like, on the platform, how um, at the end it was, like, the girl was the message and they kind of sent her up mm-hmm. and how, like, um, we basically leave it for, like, younger generations to figure out. But mm-hmm. if we just figured out our own stuff and we left it for a better world, like, imagine what could be possible if, like, we were constantly yeah. thinking about the younger generation instead of saying, you guys need to deal with this, what we've done. Right. And... yeah. I was thinking the other day because um, we have, I forget, I don't remember the person's name that did this, but they added a countdown, like an environmental countdown in I think New York, maybe Washington, but I'm pretty sure New York. Okay. And it has like seven years left on it. Um, And it's basically like a countdown saying like, this is how much time we have until there are like irreplaceable damages on the earth. Like we can't fix it. Um, Right. And you know how growing up you you kind of hear these things about how if we if we don't, like, recycle or whatever, like, we're leaving a worse world for our grandchildren's kids or whatever. And it always yeah. seems so far away. Like, it's always mm-hmm. your your relatives way down the line. But I was thinking, mm-hmm. I was like, you, you know what's kind of funny is that we are it. Like, we are those grandchildren's <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah. that's now us. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be my grandchildren, and right. <laughs> it just puts things in perspective. Where it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the time is now. <laughs> it's not our yeah. grandchildren; it's us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's scary, but um, it is right. And and it's funny how like you think about in nature how many parents are selfless for their children. Yeah, but humans can't get it together to be selfless for their kids. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in part because climate change is feels like such a big, like a, a ginormous issue. Yeah. And, you know, if my mom could give her life so that she got rid of climate change, I'm sure she would. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's, it's so complicated because how are we going to undo capitalism so that we can stop this reproduction age where we rely on constant growth right you know it's like okay when you ask the question like that it's like oh my god i have no idea (laughs) yeah like i'm trying to recycle i got my straw exactly (laughs) you know like and then it feels so i don't know like it feels feels so helpless yep and you're like i'm trying i'll go to tim hortons and not get a tray <laughs> sure okay like right. that's like it's good like but it's not actually gonna make active change yeah so it's yeah. it's just really 
it's a it's a daunting problem and i think that's that's one of the things where it comes to like okay can we sacrifice for the younger generation the thing that i think is really cool is that you know this doc finishes by saying they lay thousands of eggs mm-hmm. but barely any actually survive to adulthood right uh, yeah and it's like so this octopus is sacrificing for the potential of the future yeah not even for a guaranteed thousand thousand babies yeah that's and i guess that's the mindset more that i think we need to have yeah unless it's something that we can foreseeably see we don't want it like we can't we can't let our imaginations or let the potential be like a factor because that's just not how we're programmed like i don't even know the right word um well you want to know something cool yeah so in my disaster images class um we were talking about climate change and images how images impact climate change Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um and what the prof told us was that maybe guess can you think of one image that actually made people come together and take climate change seriously take climate change um Mm -hmm. potentially an oil spill that's that's what I guessed. I guess something like, you know, yeah, like some poor little huge. creature being strangled or something. Yeah. No. So what it was is uh, a picture of the globe. <laughs> when when the first when the first picture from space yeah. was taken of the earth as a whole, people realized that we actually are one community. Wow. So it was like an image that actually Yeah. enacted uh, a shift in mindset because there's such a such a mindset with this kind of thing that okay canada will deal with canada mm-hmm. and the u.s will deal with the u.s but little costa rica is over here doing incredible things for climate change but it's not gonna actually make a yeah. big dent if canada u.s and china just keep doing whatever we want yeah Definitely. you know yeah so it's so it's it's hard to have this like individual mindset with things like that yeah because we're we're very uh like egotistic uh species i guess that we're very (laughs) (laughs) like the world revolves around us so i guess once you see that perspective of how small we are and how much we literally have zero control over anything it's like you kind of want to get your your shit together but (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah anyways so so the the sea change project they advocate because there's very little research done into the uh, ecological and social value of the great african sea forest um and there's basically no one advocating for its protection um so the the whole kind of thing that the project's trying to do is find stories that inspire people to fall in love with it okay um so they said, we believe that the best thing we can do to protect the great African sea forest is to share these stories so that people all over the world, as well as local decision makers, recognize the value of this special place. Yeah. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. Like, that's a nice sentiment because it's true. And we've said this before with, like, representation, you know, with race representation and, and gender representation. But this also kind of applies here of, like, the power of media to change the hearts and minds of people. Yep. Totally. Because you think about um, how the whole world kind of shifted on the whole straws thing. Because probably, honestly, probably all it took was like 
one image or one video that yeah. really just and you never know what's gonna hit somebody but sure it just shifted all of a sudden so maybe for them it's this or mm-hmm. it's the next video that people are like oh well yeah like, yeah right and it's like i never even knew the great african sea forest existed but now i yeah. do <laughs> and now i care yep. little yeah. octopus <laughs> like no i want <laughs> right and and i yeah. hate that we're so emotional but i am like i'm an emotional being and you yeah. know you you give me a stat of oh the o2 that the sea forest you know contributes it it scrubs carbon dioxide like i'm sure it does a lot of great things but then you show me cute little octopus i'm like oh baby you know so emotional yeah and i think that's what we just have to realize like we have to stop complaining about the fact that this is what it takes and just accept this is what it takes (laughs) yeah go head first into it yeah show us some cute stuff that's just what you gotta do yeah (laughs) We're but, simple creatures. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's really not that complicated. I know, think about it. I know. <laughs> um, so the, the Nature Doc received eight nominations uh, for the Jackson Wild Media Award. Um, it also awesome. secured the top prize there. And then it won Best Feature at the Earth Film Festival. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it just it just was released... September beginning like beginning of September so um this is a fresh off the press film that we got here so you know there wasn't (laughs) as much interviews uh as you know normally I like to find and there wasn't a lot of like awards yet but I'm sure it's going to do well because I mean it's incredible yeah yeah I I could see um potential documentary oscar who knows <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> you know what maybe maybe so we never know we'll be on the lookout well and you know what the thing about the oscars is they do love when people kind of go outside of the box in yeah. terms of like structure or like the way of approaching a film and this film certainly did that with the it certainly did you know so it, yeah. it could you know We'll see, but... And it's kind of surprised me how... I haven't heard of a ton of, like, outstanding documentaries this year. Yes. There's normally... Every year you kind of hear of a few, like, Free Solo. I remember hearing all about it. Yep. Um, there hasn't been a ton this year, so I'm sure it will do very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people aren't filming as much, but... Yeah. releasing yeah. as much, but... Um, yeah. So maybe that'll open up. That's exciting. Some... I wonder... I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure they wouldn't because it's just, uh, but you know, it's a South African film. So would they put it in the international film section or would they? Um, I think when it comes to documentary, I think it's just one category. Okay. I might be wrong though. Okay. I, yeah, I think it's just documentary. I don't think it's international and not international. I could be wrong. Documentary. I don't really remember. Okay. Yeah. Well, you are um, our, uh, you know what we should do Oscar specialist so the fact that you don't know means that i don't know <laughs> what we you... should on like oscar night we do like a live stream oh <laughs> like, my god reporting now reporting live <laughs> about a film britney has not seen and sydney has another film britney has not seen and sydney has oh look Ooh. it's the animation section britney has seen every film <laughs> 
Yep, that's what's right. That's pretty much just, how it goes. Oh, that, that would be I'm talking fun. about all the actors. I'm talking about, like, no, I don't really talk about what they were. I don't really care about that. But I'm talking about all the actors that are there, and you're just like, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> Who, that'll that? be fun we should do that we can get I, your I'm dad really we can get your dad and mom to like guest you know like they'll come on Ooh. in for certain like topics yes oh i love it i'm in great okay <laughs> look forward to that everyone <laughs> okay yeah. so move on to takeaways take you know what we should do hmm. we should have a um I know some podcasts that have like little jingles before they do like a certain section of the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, so we need a jingle for like takeaways. Right. Okay. Like takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one? Um... No, that's Subway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> takeaway. Eat yeah, that's it. <laughs> My brain just instantly go <laughs> takeaway. Eat fresh. <laughs> I, I think that's it. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, let's think. Takeaways. This is always the part of the podcast where Brittany knows her takeaway and then it takes me five years to think of mine. Because <laughs> you'd think by now I would be prepared with something. But no. Because I think I always develop my takeaway like after the conversation. Yeah. I don't always like have it right away but after we talk about it then i'm like oh that's definitely it right right um i think i know like more and more recently i've been like really thinking about investing more time in documentary making than narrative mm-hmm. um and i think this is something that will really kind of stick with me of how to insert your own voice into it yeah and how it, to know when you need to take your step, like, take yourself out of it and take your emotions out of it and when to step in. Yeah. Um, and I think, because he did an amazing job at that, and, of course, it fit with the style they were doing. Not mm-hmm. every documentary can do that. Yep. But, um... It was powerful. I think that was a really kind of good lesson. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. that would probably be it. I like that mm-hmm. takeaway. I think for me, um... My takeaway is going to be don't let burnout culture let you get to a point where you hate what you love. Oh, wow, yeah. Because clearly he loves filmmaking, Mm -hmm. but he just got to a point where he couldn't do it anymore. He had to go swim in the ocean. Like, you know, when it gets to a point where, like, that's what you need to do to, like, ground yourself every day, I need to go swim in a freezing cold ocean – you know, I, I just think it, it's really yeah. kind of sad. I mean, it's happy because we got a turnaround with it, but it's sad that burnout culture is so normalized in the film industry Yeah. Um, that it ruined for him something that, like a passion that he loved to do. Yeah. It ruined it for a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, because you're just kind of like expected to always be working. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, like, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that is a good takeaway. Yep. My octopus teacher. So your homework, kids, you got to take a walk. No cell phone. No earbuds. Go smell some flowers. Go really be present. Feel the wind. My dog would lift her little head every time the wind blew and took a little sniff. Oh. So then I raised my head and took a little sniff. 
<laughs> That's so cute. Oh, I would really That's... recommend. All you kids out there. All you a cat. A cat. Mm. I was trying to think of like. Academians. For... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Academiers. I don't know. We'll think about it. We'll think about it as we're writing our jingle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Put, <laughs> we'll make a list. Yeah. <laughs> jingle. Little fan base name. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It. So if we never get to that, <laughs> um, don't be surprised. <laughs> if you don't hear it next week. That sounds You'll about never right. Hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week with whatever we pick. Yay! Yep. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Our next movie is from the director Chain Don Lee, and it's a movie called Burning from South Korea. Uh, this film first premiered at TIFF last year, and it was a um, Oscar qualifying film, but was beat out by Parasite as South Korea's uh, pick for the Oscars. So I really hope you enjoyed and watch along with us.